In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have missed all of you, even though it's just been a couple of weeks. So glad to see you guys. It's such a blessing to be back together with you and with our Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. And on the third Sunday of Advent, you noticed at least one thing I hope different in all of the candles that you see up here in the Advent candle wreath. That the candle that was lit today was a different color. It wasn't the dark blue, or some churches would have purple, which is acceptable. But it's a lighter color, a more joyous color. The color's rose. This is very intentional. And if we had rose vestments, we would even wear them today. Because right here on the third Sunday of Advent, which is just beyond our halfway point through the Advent season, just like it, just beyond the halfway point of the Lent season, the church is given a mass whose name is this. The name of this mass is Rejoice. In the midst of the struggle of the penitential seasons. And by the way, my friends, when I talk about struggle, don't think that a negative term. The Christian struggle is always the Christian struggle towards Christ. Towards the being a recipient and beginning to experience all the realities of the kingdom of God in our lives. It's that we struggle towards Christ that we may obtain these things by grace and by the Holy Spirit. And in the midst, right in the middle of the struggle of the season toward Christ, Jesus himself in his wisdom has given to the church the voice that cries out, remember this, the Christian people, my people, are a people who rejoice. They rejoice because of all that I am. They rejoice because of all that I bestow upon them. Christ places himself right before us in this mass to remind us to set our hearts in the midst of the struggle to praise him with great thanksgiving. To walk in, and I say this very particularly, to walk in the discipline of praise and thanksgiving, the discipline of rejoicing. And believe me, and you and I know this, that there are certain times in life where that discipline is more drudgery, it's harder to go to because of all the things that come crashing in our lives at times, and yet nonetheless in the Christian struggle. I would put it this way. The Lord is reminding us that one of the ingredients of the Christian experience of Christ that leads us to salvation, one of the ingredients is rejoicing. The discipline of offering up from the depth of our soul by the revelation of God in Christ to us, the discipline of lifting up from the depth of our soul, the passionate thanksgiving, offering that we can give him. We're reminded to do that today. We hear the call of it in the very intro of the mass that the choir sung. And it's the very words of St. Paul from Philippians in chapter 4. And here are the words. Here's the call. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. That's why we rejoice. Be careful for nothing. That is, do not be so filled with the cares and anxieties and the worries of this life. Be careful for nothing, nor trouble. 
but rather in all things with prayer and supplication. And here's that ingredient mixed in. Prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then had the choir continued to sing or the intro be written with the very next verse comes the promise of God for those who pray in fellowship with him, not only with supplications, but with great thanksgiving. Because the promise is this, and the peace of God that passes all of your understanding will reside in you. That's our call today. Our lives as Christians, regardless, always regardless of the circumstances that we go through in this life, our entire lives are to be seasoned with praise. And in fact, I tell you this, the truth, the remembrance of the good and great works of God, as we rejoice before him, offering these things to him, they produce by grace strength in the Christian. They produce a healthy and holy endurance in the Christian. And it is the very wellspring of joy, praise is, the very wellspring of joy in the moments of trials and tribulations when we discipline ourselves to turn to God. Not just, not just with prayers for mercy, always important, but equally with prayers of praise. St. John the Forerunner knew both the need for this, the need to praise, the need to have great consolation in his own soul when he was undergoing great trials. That consolation that comes by Jesus revealing himself and his kingdom to us, that's what grants us the consolation. John knew it because at the time of the reading of the gospel that you hear today in St. John in chapter 11, you hear St. John the forerunner imprisoned by Herod. Now he was about to be beheaded and St. John is being faced with something. He's being faced directly with his mortality. And he's in prison. This great prophet of prophets, this great man of faith, and we see the slightest struggle in him, which this struggle I see, I tell you, in St. John the Forerunner, gives me great hope because of the struggles I have. This man was a great prophet, and he wrestled in faith just a bit. And so he sent his own disciples to go and find Christ. And here's what St. John had them ask Christ. Are you the one that was to come? Or should we wait for another? Now before you think St. John the Forerunner, some flimsy man of faith, don't kid yourselves. This is the same man that when he resided in his mother's womb, when the Blessed Virgin Mary, now impregnated with Christ in her room, walks into the same room, St. John, in the womb of his mother, leapt for joy at the presence of Christ. And when Jesus would show up on the scene while St. John was baptizing, paving the way for the experience of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ and his ministry of repentance. When he was doing that, Jesus came and all very quickly he looked and he pointed all of his disciples and all those who were baptized in the baptism of repentance. He pointed to Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Don't tell me John didn't know Christ. Don't tell me he was a man of weak faith. But I will tell you one thing about St. John. He was human like you and like me. 
St. John the Forerunner may have been strong in faith, but he was not perfected in faith. And in his human weakness, he is crying out for perfected faith. If I could show you this, what his prayer is through the disciples going to Christ saying, are you the one? You know what St. John is saying? It's the same as the father in the gospel story where the father had a demon possessed son. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can set him free? And what was the prayer of the father? Lord, I believe, but help. My unbelief. This is what the heart of St. John is in prison and facing his own death. In fact, St. Gregory the Great, he says this about St. John while he was in prison. He said, St. John knew that he would die. And he also knew this, that when he would die, his soul would descend into Hades. Where all of the other souls had been kept from Adam and Eve forward since the fall of man. All those who had died. He knew he would face that. Which means, St. Gregory the Great says, he knew that he was in desperate need and would be in desperate need of the Savior to come and break those gates asunder for his own soul. So what is St. John really saying? He's saying, Lord, I know you're the Christ, but I need to see you more clearly. I have faith. I believe that you're him. But give me comfort. Give me resolve. Give me grace and a strength of Christian character, so to speak, to see you clearly for who you really are. And our Lord Jesus Christ answers with the most important words because he reveals himself in those very words. Jesus answered those disciples bringing the question from St. John. He says, go and tell John the things which you hear and see yourselves. The blind see, the lame are walking, the lepers have been cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You need to understand the significance of the choice words that were so clearly revealing both the disciples who witnessed Jesus do these things and what they would bring back to St. John. He is giving his greatest prophet the prophecy of another prophet. Because Isaiah, I believe it's in chapter 24, when speaking of the coming Messiah, how will you know when he's come? Isaiah says, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk. He's embracing the prophet with the prophets. And never forget who was the voice of the prophets. The one who was directing the disciples to go back to John. What was it that brought the greater faith, the consolation, the resolve to blessed St. John, the experience of the reality of Christ? And that would have brought great praise to his soul. Because, hey, if you and I were St. John... We may be going down to Hades, but somebody's coming very soon to break the, to all the bars asunder and to release our souls eternally. It was the experience that Christ was giving John that brought the praise and the consolation. I want to share with you, if I may, as you might imagine, I've had an interesting advent so far. Very different. And I thank God. 
Advent, we are called to do the opposite of what everything in our culture, God knows it's less this year, but every year during Advent is the busiest season our, our culture ever throws at us. Think about it. But in Advent, the kingdom of God is called to draw back. The kingdom of God is called to slow down. Well, God meant it for me this year, right? And he made it so. And again, I am so thankful. I want to share with you, though, my journey for these past couple of weeks because it was what has occurred was totally unanticipated and only occurred because of slowing down. A couple of things happened simultaneously all throughout these last few weeks that I was, had to be away. The first is this. The sufferings of this year caught up with me. Everything that I've been through, everything I've been through with all of you, everything that we have been through together in this utmost insane year that we have had, that never we never could have anticipated, it all caught up with me in my mind and in my heart, and I meditated on all that we've been through. I had... God knew I had to deal with some sorrow and some tribulation that had gone undealt with because when you're going through suffering, sometimes you're so busily going through suffering, you don't take time to contemplate what God might be doing in the suffering. We miss things. Well, I, I had that opportunity, and so I did. But I tell you this, this was the grace gift. While I was going through dealing with the results of all of the suffering and, and trials of this year. As I was looking at them, God was revealing, look what I did here. Look what I did at this point. Look what I did for this parishioner. Look what I did in you. Look what I did for you. And so as the sorrow of this year was, was being remembered so that I could deal with it. God graced me for the healthiest way to deal with it because my sorrow became, see, became seasoned with praise. And it was a constant cycle as I would have a thought, and yet, and yet God. And here was this suffering, and yet God. And his faithfulness was always, always right before me. And what he was showing me, this ought be the life of Christian every day of their life. Not longing for suffering and trials, but like the scriptures say, rejoicing in them. Why do we rejoice in trials? Not because of the trials, because what God does through the trials for our salvation. And how God manifests himself and reveals himself to us in the most dire of circumstances at times. This is why the Christian rejoices at all times. And this is why the Christian who walks both in sorrow and praise all of their days knows God and is not rocked by all the stuff that life throws at us. And this is what was going on in me. So I want to give you some thoughts. And you received an email last night and I asked you to prepare for this Mass and this part of the season of Advent in a particular way. Because I want to share with you what to me is the wellspring of praise from deep within our soul. How do we go about the discipline of letting Christ reveal himself to us in such a way, no matter what's going on in life, that great praise comes out of our soul because we know him. And now after this circumstance, we know him more. 
And I tell you that discipline, that wellspring that we can draw from within comes in three categories. And the first one is this. To take time to remember the works of God on behalf of his people throughout all ages of the past. From the very creation to the fall of man to all of his works of redemption and calling his people to himself. In Psalm 77, the psalmist, the first 25% of the psalm, you can tell this psalmist, and it's not David, I forget this psalmist, forgive me. But the psalmist is, you hear this gut-wrenching agony that he's going through in life. You can read it in his supplication before God at the beginning of the psalm. But then, in verse 11, he goes to the discipline within himself. He says, but I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of all your deeds. How many of us not only acknowledge the great works of God, both that he's done throughout all ages, but also those things he's done in our life, but how many of us meditate on them? How many of us let them ruminate within us, chew on them, look at all that God done did in this particular instance? The psalmist is saying, I will meditate on these things. I will consider these things greatly. And in the whole rest of the psalm, that's exactly what he does. Because it's verse after verse of great praise for all the mighty works that God did in the past. But stay in the past with me, because part of, of going within our souls to find praise, because we find Christ there, is examining all that God has done for us in our past. Not just God's people of old. You look and you see all that God has done. Ask God to reveal to you his great works done on your behalf. And I tell you, praise will well up. So we look to the good works of God in the past. Secondly, the well that we can draw from is precisely what God is doing now. What God is doing in this day or these recent days. To grab hold of those things. To let God show you the full extent of the mercy you're being given second by second. To let God show you his forbearance out of his love for you every moment of your life. To consider all the great and the small blessings and benefits that God does on a moment by moment basis. I'll give you one. It may sound silly. It was not to me. But one of those days while I was at home, I was outside. It was one of those cold days, got down close to freezing. And I was outside for a little while. Because in Texas, I don't get to enjoy freezing a lot. But I was enjoying it. And I walked in my home. And I opened the door, and when I walked right in, the rush of such a comforting, warm air was on me. And in that moment, I just stopped because I couldn't remember the last time that I thanked God for the warmth of my home. His benefits are all around us. His mercies are surrounding us day after day, moment after moment, if we'll open our holy eyes to see the Holy One. And the third thing is this, not just the past, not just rejoicing in what God does in the present, 
but rejoicing in what God has promised for the future for every one of those who are in Christ. And I tell you something, my friends. My mind has been on paradise since all saints. Ever since we read those passages from Revelation describing what God has made for you and for me if we'll remain in Him. I have been getting greater glimpses and glimpses considering these things, meditating, so to speak, on these things. And you know, there's something I've mentioned before, not just blessed fellowship with God. We have such blessed fellowship with one another here, and yet this fellowship doesn't hold a candle to the fellowship we'll have with one another on the other side. And the video that I sent you to watch to be encouraged by Father Spiridon. There's something he said that took me to another consideration of what God has for us as far as our fellowship. Because in that teaching he mentioned you and I, if we remain in Christ, not only have fellowship with one another and with God. But we'll have the same fellowship with the angelic hosts that have been surrounding us all of our days. We will be able to fellowship and interact with those blessed created beings. The wonder of paradise has been on my mind and in my heart. And it gives me such a great and such a more healthy anticipation to press into God now while I have time. That I might obtain such blessedness I could never earn. If we start looking at these things on a daily basis. This is why I say it's a discipline. It does not come natural. If we will discipline ourselves to praise. You will find Christ in the depth of your own soul. And it will well up. And I cap this off with two things. The way that our Lord capped off this part of the journey for me this week. So I came back to the church Wednesday. And every morning I come in and I pray in the sanctuary. I do morning prayer. And that's also when I pray for every one of you as I go through the daily lists. And I had a beautiful time of prayer. I was so thankful to be back. It was the second day on Thursday that... I came out of that door, came and stood in front of the altar. And I just stood there because I was captivated with the beauty of Christ in the crucifix. And as my eyes went up, captivated the beauty of Christ as our great high priest. And I just stood there for a moment. And all of a sudden, you know, the church teaches us that all of these things that are visible to us, even the things that we smell and experience here, in the kingdom of God, we call the liturgy. They're windows to the reality. Windows to the fullness. And I have to tell you, I experienced God in such a way, it's as if the window blew open. I was overwhelmed with His beauty and with His wonder. To the point of tears, and this was very brief. But I want to tell you what everything in me was experiencing. It was absolutely experiencing the relief of bringing my sorrows to Him. But in the same second, it was the relief of absolute praise in the midst of that. And what our Lord did for me as part of this journey, that He longs to do for all of us, what He wrote deep within me and brought me to peace in such a way was this. All is well, no matter. And all will always be well in me. And I'm still walking in that peace. And I will keep meditating on what I experienced in thankfulness to God. 
This is what he desires to do for us. We are in need of faith. We are in need of consolation. We are in need of great hope in Christ. And that only comes by the experience of him. I close with the words of St. John Chrysostom, who was teaching on Blessed St. Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 4. Listen to his words. It is comforting to know that the Lord is at hand. Here is a medicine to receive grief and every bad circumstance and every pain. What is it? To pray and to give thanks to God in everything. God does not wish that a prayer be merely a petition, but a thanksgiving for all that we have received. How can one make petitions for the future without thankful acknowledgement of past things? So one ought to give thanks for everything, even what seems grievous. That is the mark of one who is truly thankful. Grief comes out of the circumstances with their demands. Thanksgiving comes from a soul that has true insight and a strong affection for God. If we will commit our lives to praise in the way and rejoicing in the way that we've spoken of today. If we will do that, our affection for the Lord our God will grow and his peace will resound in your souls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.